0: business.
1: Thanks for coming out tonight. I a manual, a booklet for you to now get. I make money move. You can't see me. My time is now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, Your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Metzel. I am your host. I'm joined in this episode of Your Four by co-host, Brandon. What's up, man? What's happening, man? How are you? I'm fantastic. And even better because I get to share this uh, next 30 to 45 minutes uh, with the listeners, the viewers, and yourself. Uh, we have four uh, interesting questions this week. We got some, um, there's some business in there. There's some fitness in there. There's some finance questions. There's a, there's a finance question in there. Um, and some some well thought out and uh, and well worded questions that I'm super excited to get stuck into. Before we get stuck into though, we are just a few days away from Christmas. We are. Guys, if you are looking for a last minute Christmas gift. We got you covered. I have not even started my Christmas shopping. So I'm in the same boat as all of you (laughs) who have left it to the last minute. And I'm panicking because I need ideas. Um, Brandon, we put together a Christmas gift guide. Uh, and we have uh, come up with four gift ideas uh, for him under 50 bucks, for her under 50 bucks, for him under 100, for her under 100, for him under 150, for her under 150. We've got a whole bunch of stocking filler ideas in there. and then of course you know, if you just want to keep it simple, uh, gift cards. Uh, Both digital and um, physical in-store gift cards are are, are all there. Uh, The best way to check it out, guys, head to massivejoes.com and just search for Christmas gift guide um, just on the website and the, the entire gift guide will come up. And it's just, we're just trying to save you guys the stress associated with gift giving or gift buying and then gift giving around Christmas. So that's what's up.
0: It's a, stress. it's a stressful time for it sure. It is the stress, man. Yeah, That's what it. I'm saying. I'm like,
1: what, what do I buy for this person? What do I buy for that person? So we're all in the same boat. Uh, and we're just trying to help you guys out. So Christmas gift giving guide, uh, massivejoes.com Go check it out uh, and grab yourself some last minute uh, Christmas gifts. And even, you know what? treat yourself. Why are you there? Grab yourself some gifts too. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? All right, Brandon. Four questions, man. Let's dive right in.
0: First question. So basically, I'm going to be in the very fortunate position to take on self-employed PTs in my new gym. I'm wanting people very similar to myself in the way I conduct sessions, ethos, and mindset as that's the atmosphere I want around the gym. But I, am I being narrow-minded and missing out on a variation of people and methods?
1: I think the first question and really what, this, uh, what the answer to this question kind of um, anchors back into is what do you want from your business? Uh, you know, ultimately, you need to decide. You know, we we we've spoken about um, smallest viable market in in previous episodes. Do you want to kind of go uh, as wide as you possibly can, but shallow, or do you want to go narrow and as deep as you possibly can into a particular type of coaching? The issue that I think you're going to run into, and this is just me completely, I'm not involved in gym businesses or training businesses or anything of that nature. So this is just complete kind of gut feel for me. My gut feel is you need to decide if your smallest market, meaning going narrow and deep into a particular type of coaching with particular types of methods, is actually a viable market for your business. My gut feel is it's probably not. And the reason why my gut feel kind of leans towards that is because this fortunate position you're in where you're employing um, self-employed PTs to train in your gym, if they're all doing the same thing, and offering the same sort of coaching, and offering the same sort of service, they're going to be competing against each other for the same clients, which is going to create all kinds of problems uh, for your for your gym culture, um, for um, retention of these trainers, training out of your gym. And I just don't think that any particular small slice of the personal training and coaching market is big enough to have multiple trainers in the same gym doing the same thing training the same way. That's kind of my, my gut feel.
0: What do you think? Yeah, I agree uh, fully. Uh, it's all right for you to look for necessary skills and qualifications and it's also fine to look for people with similar values, core values, but I feel like there's a huge upside for having a diverse team that can bring different perspective and experiences to the team. Yeah. Um, I think there's a huge benefit of having different training styles and different kinds of sessions for sure.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think then what you're going to find as well is the trainers going to learn from each other right? So instead of kind of clashing heads and competing against each other because they're all doing the same thing, trying to get the same clients, they're going to start learning different methods from each other and go, oh, you know, that guy, you know, programs this way or um, trains this way or has a particular methodology that perhaps I haven't even considered before. And they'll start collaborating and learning from each other, which ultimately is going to create a good culture for your gym. I think you know the other thing as well is is uh in this question you know ethos mindset that's the atmosphere i want to be uh, i want around the gym that comes back to the the kind of culture that you set for the pt's that you are uh, the self-employed PTs that you are employing to work out of your gym, right? So you can have a bit of both. You can have variation in the trainers and the methodology and the services that they're offering, but then you can also maintain the standard of the overall culture that you're trying to create within the gym. So you can set what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. Um, you can set uh, the sort of behavior that you want the, the, the trainers to meet and the sort of behavior that's not acceptable. So you can, you can still create the, the atmosphere and within that atmosphere, incorporate the ethos and the mindset, however you decide to define that, but then also have trainers that are training in different ways and appealing to different clients and tapping into different sections of the market. And I think that's really kind of the, the ultimate unlock, right? Get the best of both worlds. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Next question. Do you have days when your
0: physique is just off despite training and nutrition on point?
1: Yeah, 100%. You? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think everybody does. Yeah. More often Go. than not. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of like, there's certain people that don't, right? Because you see what they post on social media and they always look fucking amazing, but you actually don't know that they're posting the best photos in the best lighting, best lighting. when they were looking the best, you know, and probably and, the one, one of a hundred photos they have taken. Yeah, at that particular time. (laughs) Fastest first thing in the morning. Yeah, man. Yeah, Yeah, but I think, you know, I think the truth is, is like everybody has these off days. And it can be caused by a number of different things, right? It can be caused by, uh, for some reason, you're retaining more water than you would on a particular day. Perhaps you didn't sleep particularly well. Um, Perhaps you spent a lot of time the day before on your feet where you usually spend it sitting down or vice versa. Uh, Perhaps you've got some gut microbiome issue happening, you know, you ate some food that didn't agree with you and so your your gut's a little bit messed up. I mean, there's so many. I mean, if you're female, right, it could be that time of the month. You know, you hormones. could be hormones Stress. are all over the place. Um, I see it with with my wife, Amy, you know, when it's that time of the month for her, her physique looks completely different within a few days of how it normally looks. And she hasn't changed anything. It's just different hormone fluctuations. So I mean there's a, there's a lot of different things that can cause your physique to look off on a particular day that aren't related to you maintaining discipline with your training, you maintain, maintaining discipline with your nutrition, discipline with your supplementation, your cardio and all these different bits and pieces. And I think that's why discipline is so important, right? Because there are going to be those days where you're doing everything, right? You're hitting your macros, you're getting through your workout. You're training with the right intensity. You're taking yourself. Su- you're doing all the shit that you know you need to do. And for whatever reason, your physique just looks off. Well, then what are you going to do? Right? Are you going to throw the towel in, kick the bucket, and say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to stick to my training. I'm not going to stick to my diet. I'm not going to stick to my supplements because I'm not looking the way I want to look for that particular day or a couple of days. Or are you going to say, no, no, no. I've got the discipline to stick to the diet, stick to the training, stick to the SUPs, stick to the cardio. I know the way I'm looking at the moment for whatever reason is short term. But if I maintain the discipline regardless of how I'm looking, that's what's going to get me the result that I'm trying to get. That's why discipline is, is, is so important, right?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Talking about physique here, it's obviously it's, it's body composition. Um, obviously, you, Joe, you're a physique-based athlete, but even me as… If I do more performance performance style training, there'll be days that I, I don't know why I haven't changed one thing. I'll feel weaker. I'll feel less energy and things like that. And it's just, it's the exact same. You just got to accept it. It is short term and you just got to, yeah, be disciplined and just make sure you're still ticking those boxes each day because yeah, it is, yeah, short term and it, everyone goes through it. Could be these multiple causes, like you said, just flux, random fluctuations. It could be to do, do with sleep, fatigue, water, Anything, man.
1: Man, you can apply this to anything. Hey, It's not just physique. It's not just performance. You can apply this to your career. You can apply this to those of you who run businesses. You can apply this to your business. You know, you can be doing everything you need to do. You can be crossing the T's. You can be dotting the I's. You can be checking all the boxes. You can be doing everything you need to do. And the output that you're expecting to get from the input, for some reason, is disconnected right? We've experienced it a bunch of times this year as a business within MJ and TMJ and the company update videos. I've said, guys, there's a disconnect. We're doing everything we need to do and we're not getting the result that we're expecting to get. That doesn't mean that you stop doing everything you need to do. That means you continue doing it over here. You understand that there's a disconnect, but you've got the discipline to keep doing what you need to do and the patience to know that at some point, That disconnect is going to be a connection between the input and the output. And you are going to get the result. That's why so many people fucking quit, man. Yeah, man. In in everything.
0: There's always going to be waves. Yeah. And no one's one's ever on 100% of the time. Yeah. It's it's expected. Yeah.
1: And no one gets 100% of the outputs they think they're going to get 100% of the time. That's just not how the fucking world works. It just doesn't work like that. But that's what separates... People who are good from people who become great. The people who become great can appreciate that that's the way the world works and the output is not always going to reflect the input, but they commit to the process anyway. It's process over product. They say, fuck it. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. I believe that I'm doing everything that I need to do at the best of my ability. I'm doing my best work. And regardless of the output, I'm going to commit to that process And I have absolute faith that at some point, that process is going to lead to a certain product. Mm -hmm. 100%, man. Next question. Next
0: question. As a leader, I've always strived for perfection. It's a curse and I've realized after self-reflection that my perfectionism is nothing more than a shield protecting me from criticism or the fear of failure. I've asked myself, why am I so scared of failure and still don't really know the answer? What are your tips for facing your fears and embracing risk in learning from failure?
1: It's a fucking great question, man. This is a great question. First and foremost, perfection is the enemy of execution. Perfection is 100% ego protecting you from fear. And in this particular situation, it's the the fear of failure. So um, first and foremost, congratulations for identifying that because a lot of people will go their entire life and never come to that realization that Perfection is effectively the uh, uh, manifestation of ego that is designed to protect you from taking risks and from confronting your fear of failure. I have some really good advice in this regard because this is something that I have struggled with in the past. And to be honest, from time to time, I still struggle with now. Uh, And I I think all of us to some degree do struggle with, maybe it's not hiding behind perfection, but it's hiding behind something to protect us from confronting something that is difficult or scary. I think we all have like, it's built into human DNA, right? It's a protection mechanism. So my advice is this. You need to start moving your identity from somebody who identifies as someone who achieves to identifying yourself as somebody who learns. And this is going to hit hard for a lot of people who listen to this podcast because the nature of the content that we produce in this podcast, it's a self-development podcast. We, we attract a lot of people with very high achievement core values. And we attract a lot of people who would consider themselves to be achievers, if not high achievers. So for a lot of you. This is really fucking important. If you identify as an achiever or a high achiever or somebody with high achievement values, you are going to avoid failure at almost every cost or failure is going to be very difficult for you to confront because it challenges your identity as an achiever. Because if you're failing, you can't be failing and achieving at the same time. You have to be one or the other. If you're failing, which you will, Time and time again, you can't possibly be achieving, which creates a bit of an identity crisis. Because how can you identify as an achiever or how can you call yourself a high achiever if you're not achieving? You're failing. That's a problem. If you can start shifting your identity from first and foremost being an achiever to being a learner, to being somebody who tries things, isn't afraid to fail, takes lessons from failures and applies them to get better, that is a far easier situation to look failure dead in the eye and say, this is an inevitable part of myself as a learner. Because if I'm not failing, I'm not learning. So not only do I not fear failure, still going to be uncomfortable, that's fine. Not only do I not fear failure, I actually go headfirst into failure because now, if I fail, that doesn't challenge my identity as a learner. That actually fits into my identity as a learner. I have to fail. So I don't fail. I'm not learning. So if you can go from identifying as somebody who achieves to somebody who learns, you will go from avoiding failure at all costs to embracing failure at every single opportunity. Does that make sense? It does. I- you should just mic drop after that <laughs> that, just, that, was some, that, drop that was
0: awesome man that's good good stuff for sure. Um, it's something I've struggled with my my whole life as well and I've missed out on doing a lot of things or completing a lot of things aiming for perfection. Um, I find procrastination is something that I've always struggled with as well, and that is a byproduct of perfectionism. Um, you just really need to get it done man um, I mean i don't have I don't have many regrets but you know what the 99% of regrets are just from not taking the leap to do something because I've been scared of failing. Always. Always. Not knowing what the outcome's going to be and so I don't take the risk. Always. That shit eats me alive, man. What's the
1: worst that's going to happen? You're going to learn. That's literally the worst. The worst that's going to happen if you can confront failure, go into it head first, fall flat on your face, stand back up. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to learn lessons. That's it. This is a big fucking deal, man. Like, this is, this is probably one of the best pieces of practical and strategic advice we have given ever in this podcast. That you need to execute. You need to execute. 100%. And that's what a lot of people
0: don't do. And that's… It's, you're not taking these risks, man. You're not facing your fears and… Yeah, learning from… Well, failing and then just learning from them, it, man. It's, it's a wasted life.
1: You know what the interesting thing as well is, man, is… When you go from identifying primarily as somebody who achieves, and you can, have, you can be both, right? You can be a learner and an achiever at the same time. It's just my advice is become a learner first and foremost. And achievement can still be part of your identity, of course, but it kind of sits below learner. The interesting thing is, is when you make that shift, you actually end up achieving more. And the reason why you end up achieving more is because by confronting failures, picking yourself back up and learning from them, you're actually learning more skills that enable you to achieve more as you progress. Right? The problem with identifying as an achiever first and foremost, you get some wins, 100%. You will be, you know, you, you can fucking crush as an achiever. But there's going to become some point where to get to the next level, to level up, To truly level up, you're going to need to develop skills. You're going to need to develop experience to take you to that next level. And if you primarily identify as an achiever, you're just not going to take the risks you need to take. You're not going to experience the failures you need to experience to develop those skills and develop the experience to get to the next level. So it's going to feel like you're smacking your head up against a glass ceiling. How do I know? I've been there know what that feels like. And I've been smacking my head and I'm going, why the fuck can I not get to the next level? And that's the reason why. Because I identified as an achiever first and foremost, not as a learner. I was afraid to take risks. I was super afraid of failing. That's why I didn't take risks. And I didn't develop the skills and the experience to get to the next level. As soon as I unlock that and I go, you know what? Learner first and foremost. Let's go. Let's try. Let's take the risk. Let's fail. Let's embrace the failure. Let's learn the lessons develop the skills, develop the experience, unlock next level. One last thing I want to add here is this is not a hack that is going to make facing fear or taking risks any less uncomfortable. It's still going to be uncomfortable. And this comes back to how we started the answer to this question. We are wired, it's part of human DNA to... Be risk averse, to see risk, to see things that look like they could possibly fail and head in the other direction, right? Because we're, we're built to survive. It's what we're built to do survive and, and procreate. That's it. <laughs> That's what we're built to do as humans. So it's not going to make confronting fears and confronting risk any less uncomfortable. It then begs the question well, well what do you do with the discomfort? If it's still going to be uncomfortable, how do you? How do you process that emotion? How do you deal with that? And the piece of advice that I can give here is to not try and intellectualize it, not try and think through it, not try and go, you know what? I've done everything that Joe said. I've changed my identity from being first and foremost a high achiever to now being a learner. And it's, you know, I, I still can't figure out why I'm uncomfortable. And let me start trying to figure out why. Let me try and think through the emotion. Stop that shit. Experience the emotion for what it is. Say to yourself, this is really uncomfortable. And I'm going to do it anyway. Not this is really uncomfortable because of this, 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 this. Just go, this is really uncomfortable. And I'm going to do it anyway.
0: You need to, you need to live. You need to be like crave discomfort to be comfortable. If you crave, crave comfort, you're going to be uncomfortable.
1: Well, the two things things are mutually exclusive, right? So, you know, man, you can… Listen, you can be comfortable all your life. I know by the fact that you guys are listening to this show, watching this show, you're not interested in comfort, right? You're interested in personal development. You're interested in seeing how far you can get to the edge before you fucking fall over. We're not here for comfort. We're here for progress. We're here to learn. We're here to achieve. So, you've got to be… Uncomfortable.
0: Last thing as well. It's sort of off on the side a little bit, but things like social media and stuff don't really help either with comparison and people only showing highlight reels and the perfect, perfect photos, the perfect life. It's fucked, man. No one ever shows the failures or the low lights. You just think successful people are successful straight away, and it's not like that at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, the, it, it's one of the things that I've I've been giving a lot of thought to, um, like my personal. I don't want to call it personal brand because it sounds fucking corny as shit, but like everybody has a personal brand to some level, right? And I have a a certain level of public persona through what I do. And so, you know, the way that my personal brand is perceived is quite important because it's how, uh, you know, people definitely at first instance before they get to know me or consume my content will perceive me as being as, as who I am. And I've started to give a lot of thought to... You know, I need to start sharing more content about being a learner first and foremost rather than being a high achiever first and foremost because I share a lot of the achievement content, you know, the competitions and the business and, you know, all of the fucking wins. And I do share some of the losses as well. Like I'm pretty open with that. But I think the next step for me to kind of start to break down in my little way. And it's not, trust me, I'm very well aware that I don't have a big, massive reach, but it's a, it's a reasonable reach. My little way to try and break down, you know, this, this bullshit around winners win. Winners don't fucking win. Winners lose more than they win. 100%. They're just sharing more of their wins than they should, right? Winners lose, winners learn, and then eventually winners win. That's what actually happens.
0: 100%, man. I love it. Good stuff.
1: Last question. Last question.
0: How to best manage unexpected financial setbacks? That's it. That's it.
1: (laughs) I thought there was another part to the question. No, straight to the point. That's cool. We can roll with this. Um. Yeah, it's almost like a segue to the to the uh, the third question about dealing with discomfort, right? Because financial setbacks, by their nature, are always uncomfortable. It's something that you weren't expecting, it comes and hits you. It's money related. A lot of people are uncomfortable around anything financially related. I think. Um, I'm going to give the general advice and then I'm going to give the very specific advice to the financial setbacks. I think dealing with any setback in general, right? Whether it be financial, whether it be career, whether it be business, whether it be an injury in the gym and it's a physical setback, whether it's a relationship setback, you break up with someone, you go through a divorce, you break up with someone who you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, or you have um, uh, a friendship that dissolves or has, you know, whatever the fuck, some sort of setback that you weren't experiencing. The first thing that you need to do is don't kick the can down the road. Don't avoid dealing with it because it's uncomfortable. Ties into what we just spoke about. Confront it head on. Understand that it's going to be uncomfortable but also understand that the longer you leave the uncomfortable situations, the more uncomfortable the situations become. So the quicker you can deal with it, the better. Then consider all of your options. All right? This has happened. I didn't expect this to happen. It's an unexpected setback. What am I going to do? What are my options? And start big, right? Just just fucking spitball the biggest options and then work backwards from there. Let me give an example for the unexpected financial setback. Let's say... That somehow you've come across, uh, let's say, an unpaid tax bill, right? You've been, uh, I literally got one of these a few months ago for some unpaid land tax that I didn't even realize was there. So you get this, and there's like this big bill, and you're like, fuck, what am I gonna do about this? Okay, confront it. Big, big. Let's just go super wide. What can you do? You can go rob a bank. Well, you could. Good, yeah. You could. You go steal from somebody. Would you? Probably not. Right? But start there and work back. All right. Well, I'm not going to go rob a bank. I'm not going to go steal from someone. Okay. Can I, can I get some sort of short-term finance with a, um, a, a payback period that I can pay back over a few years or whatever? Yeah. Are you willing to do that? Maybe yes. Maybe no. Okay. I'm not willing to do that. Can I contact um, the tax department or this, whatever the financial setbacks related to, can I organize some sort of payment plan that will allow me to make short-term payments to get this paid over a year, two years, three years? You comfortable doing that? Yeah, okay, cool. So let's go, have the conversation. Let's work it out. So confront the uncomfortable. Don't kick the can down the road. Figure out how you're gonna deal with it. Start big, start audacious, come down into a point that makes sense for you, bite-sized pieces, and then start working through those pieces. To be specific on the financial side, to add a couple of things to this, um, don't go rob a bank, first and foremost. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be endorsed as telling people to go rob banks to deal with financial setbacks. you know, financially, there's a couple of things you can do uh, to prepare for unexpected financial setbacks because we all get them from time to time. It might just be something like a speeding fine or some shit, you know, and you've got to come up with a couple hundred bucks that you don't have. Um, we, everyone experiences them. First thing, live below your means. Second thing, make sure you've got a buffer. That's it. And living below your means will allow you to accumulate a buffer, some savings, rainy day fund. Um, uh, under the mattress fund, uh, whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, and then you've got that buffer in there. So when the unexpected financial setbacks come, it's not as big of a deal for you to deal with them.
0: What do you got? Yeah, very similar, man. Like you're probably in a better position to talk about that because, especially with I know even with the business over COVID and things like that, they're huge setbacks. Um, Massive. Yeah, but pretty pretty similar, man. Like like you said, just Assess, assess the situation and figure out what caused the setback. Um, understanding the cause of it can help you create a plan um, for how to best manage it. Like you said, create a budget, accounts for all your necessary expenses, and take steps to reduce your spending, cut back on unnecessary expenses. Then you could also seek professional help as well. If you're struggling to manage your financial setback, consider seeking like financial advisors or anything like that, they can help you create a plan to get back on track.
1: That's great advice. You know, if it's outside of your your realm of of what you have the life experience to deal with, go and speak to someone who can help you deal with it. You know, for sure. Um, It's interesting that you mentioned COVID because um, another thing that I haven't really... I, I've spoken about, but I haven't spoken in depth about and the effect that it had on the business. And I think it's it's really relevant to this from an unexpected financial setback um position. Because when COVID hit uh and the lockdowns were in place and shopping centers were closed and and you know, all of that happened literally within the space of let's say that first four-week period, um, from uh, when was it? Like the end of March, start of April, like that period in there. We as a business literally were expecting multiple millions of dollars in revenue to come through the business that didn't come. So from a, the scale of financial setback, it was fucking devastating when that happened. Uh, and I had Absolutely no idea how to deal with that. I'd never seen it's, it wouldn't inconceivable from my business experience to understand how to deal with that, because it's never happened in my lifetime. Probably, fingers crossed, will never happen again in my lifetime. But what I, what I have to do? Right? I had to confront it. I couldn't fucking make out it didn't happen. I couldn't kick the can down the road. I had millions of dollars of bills to pay and not millions of dollars of revenue to pay the bills with. So I had to confront it first and foremost. I didn't, I mean, in confronting it, I didn't make it out to be bigger than what it was. It wasn't the end of the world. But then I also didn't make it out to be smaller than what it was. This was a big fucking problem. I was in that position and this is why I'm kind of, jumping off your answer where i went and sought advice from and really no one could kind of give me advice because no one had really dealt with this but people who had more experience than i did what do i do here like how do i deal with this situation well I, i've never fucking seen this before so i was complete fish out of water and i went and spoke to people who had more experience than me and even just even just to just just shoot ideas off start with those big fucking ideas What can I do? Rob a bank. Okay, I'm not going to rob a bank, right? But, you know, all of the, and just to canvas the different ideas about how we were going to deal with that as a business. And so then that kind of led to the first round of decisions. All right, we're going to close all the stores. We're going to bring all the stock back and run a purely online business. That's the only way that we're going to have an attempt at surviving this. And that led to the next decision, the next decision, the next decision. But it was confronting it, seeing it for what it was, getting the, the advice from people who had more experience than me, starting with the real big ideas, narrowing them down until the ideas actually kind of made sense, implementing them, and that's how I dealt with that. So it's the exact same process. Good stuff, man. That's it? That's it. That's four questions. Done. Awesome. Great episode, Brand. Good, good stuff, man. Good Yeah. Uh, Guys, if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, watching this episode, you know the one thing that we ask for in return is that you guys share the show. Uh, Share it person to person. Share it through social media. Make sure you take a screenshot right now on your favorite podcasting platform. Post that screenshot in your Instagram story or your TikTok story or wherever you want to post it. Tag myself at Joseph Mansell. Tag Brandon at Brandon Birdie. And we will uh, see those. We'll repost as many of them as we possibly can. Brandon, thank you once again, man. Always a pleasure sitting down in episodes of Your Four with you. Thanks, man. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, Make sure you do that before the next episode.